Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, before we get any further, uh, do me a favor and let's, uh, let's take a moment of silence uh, for your boy DMX. Of course, uh, he passed away not too long ago, a couple days ago from an overdose. Uh, so let's just send out some positive prayers for him. Uh, let's have a brief moment of silence. And then we can continue. All right, y'all. Let's get into it. Of course, later on, or actually earlier this week, uh, Monday to be exact, we had the national championship for college basketball in a thriller. Well, I guess in a blowout type thriller, because I don't think a lot of us were expecting this one. First seeded Baylor takes out the first seed Gonzaga. 86-70 was the final score. Uh, Baylor finishes the year 28-2. Uh, and two. Gonzaga suffers their first loss. 31-1 uh, and one is their final record. In that game, Baylor was led by the guard. Uh, Jared Butler, he would have 22.7 assists and also two rebounds. Guard Macy Oteague would have 19 points as well as two rebounds. And guard Davian Mitchell uh, would have 15 points and five assists and six rebounds as well uh, from Gonzaga they were led by their guard as well Jalen Suggs he would have 22 points three assists and he also got forwards Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy both putting up 12 points 12 uh, two assists excuse me from Kispert also three rebounds and three assists from Timmy and five rebounds uh, a couple takeaways from this game balanced shooting from Baylor they would go 44.8 percent from the field of the field and also 43.5% from the three-point line. Gonzaga had a 38-22 advantage on the boards uh, with 16 offensive rebounds, of course. I mean, that didn't make that much of a difference. Gonzaga would also commit 14 turnovers and uh, 19 personal fouls. So a real sloppy game from Gonzaga. Uh, look. Looked to be that Baylor was just operating on all cylinders. So, um, really good national championship uh, between you and me. Uh, before coronavirus, these were pretty much the, the one and two teams. I believe one, two, and between one, two, and three uh, in 2020. So, this is probably what 2020 would have been had we not had the big coronavirus shutdown. Just to be honest, between me and you, and looking at it right now with Baylor, uh, probably getting that W as well. Um, a couple pieces of news. We are near the end. Well, we are at the end of the college basketball year. So what comes with that as well as that coaching corral that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We also got some players moving on as well. Either they're in the transfer pool or they're headed to the pros. Today we'll be talking about some guys uh, headed to the pros. First up, we have a guard. Uh, De uh, sorry, Ayo Dosunmo over there at Illinois. Uh, he's deciding to go pro. The junior guard has decided to clear for the draft. Uh, he's also signed an agent, so he's he's official about this. It's going to happen. Now, coming out of high school, Dosunmu was the 22nd out of 100 of ESPN's top recruits. Um, he like like I said, he was a five, pretty much a five-star recruit going into uh, Illinois. I don't believe he's. I think he did start his first year. I know he started as a sophomore. Uh, this season, he was a first-team All-American and was also the Bob Cousy Award uh, for best. 
point guard in the nation, averaging 20 points per game. He also would average six rebounds and five or six, uh, along with 39% shooting from three. And he also will lead uh, Illinois to a conference tournament title. Of course, they were second in the conference in the regular season to Michigan. And they were number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Of course, they would be upset by Loyola of Chicago. Uh, at six foot four, uh, with a six foot nine wingspan, Desumu is considered to be the best two-way guard in this year's draft. Um, I would say that's definitely true. Uh, next to probably Cade Cunningham. Uh, so look for those guys to go probably neck and neck one and two. Uh, this season he was clutch for Illinois, making 50% of his field goals uh, in the final minutes of regulation for the squad. He also converts 42% of his pull-up jumpers. Again, this is kind of where we're at in this day and age, volume shooting, jump shooting, uh, three-point shooting. Uh, this is something that Desunmu has. Of course, he can definitely, of course, and he can definitely always get better. Uh, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, but given the right situation, I don't see why not. You also got forward Sam Howard coming out. Sam Hauser, excuse me, coming out of Virginia. He averaged about 16 points last season. He would lead the Cavaliers in terms of scoring. They don't do a lot of whole whole lot of scoring on that team. But he's a good defensive player as well. Uh, of course, leading the Cavaliers to the NCAA tournament as well. And also, we have somebody's son up in the mix. Yes, Scotty Pippen Jr., sophomore guard. Yes, and son of Hall of Famer Scotty uh, has decided to enter the 2021 draft. This time without an agent, he's not 100% sure as the Sumu is, but he'll he'll know. Well, he has to know by July 19th. That's when he has to make his decision. Uh, but he did leave Vanderbilt last year, 20 points per game, actually a little bit above 20 points per game, 20.8. Uh, he also will lead the Vanderbilt's, sorry, the Vanderbilt Commodores with 4.9 assists a game and also almost two steals a game, uh, 1.8 from him. He was also second in the SEC in scoring, of course, with that 20 points and also 16th nationally. So again, um, not too far down the path of his father. A really decent, really good scorer, really good defender. Uh, played in the SEC as well. Of course, Scotty Pimpin coming out of Arkansas. Um, he was also second in his conference in scoring. Uh, so again, Scotty Pimpin Jr. Not 100% sure on whether or not he wants to go pro now, but he'll know within the next couple coming a week, coming weeks. Um, so as far as what else to expect from college basketball, being that we are at the end of the season. Um, definitely some more off-season stuff referring to recruiting. Uh, we will be breaking down some of the draft uh, stock, you know, people draft stock at some point, uh, but that's closer to the draft. Uh, not a whole lot. Don't expect a whole lot every day or anything like that because, again, we're at the end of the season. No more top 25 or none of that. Uh, but definitely transfers, definitely, you know, guys that want to go to the draft uh we're also gonna be talking about coaches and all that also speaking of coaches uh sean miller from arizona he's decided to walk actually he was fired by the wildcats uh later on actually early on in the week as well of course uh they've been having some drama recently um they've had some level one violations from the ncaa they're going to be having a postseason ban and uh they decided to walk away from him of course he did not take the fall with those uh violations it looks like the the assistant coach took the fall in terms of that um but again the success has not been there for the wildcats and just being that with the drama they decided to let him go all right y'all i'm gonna take a, a quick break and when we get back uh we will be we will be going over some nba news i wanted to talk about the spat that's going on between megan rapinoe and also draymond green i also want to get into the scores and the standings there and of course uh we're we're getting into the baseball season so let's get into some scores and some standings there i also want to get into that controversy going on with the all-star game so I'll be right back, y'all. 
Let's get into it. Um, of course, uh, this week we got the mega rapper, no Draymond Green beef. Of course, Draymond Green playing for the Golden State Warriors, um, Rapino of U.S. Women's Soccer fame. Of course, the argument or the topic at discussion here is uh, equal pay, or I'm just going to call it like it is, uh, women's pay. This is what women want to be paid. Okay, of course they want it to be equal. Um, but my question is, what are we basing this equality on? Um, again, uh, this is Gr- Draymond Green's argument. Uh, women need to be building their own platform, which will increase uh, revenues. He would also go on to say, this is his quote here, really tired of seeing female athletes complain, uh, complain about lack of pay because they're doing themselves a disservice about or disservice by just complaining. This is rapping those arguments. Not just a resp- it's not just a responsibility of women to build a league. They also need outside investment from men. Now, um, you know, looking at it, and you know, on the surface, and when you come to my channel, I'm sure a lot of you might think, um, you know, hey, you know, he's might be pro this or he might be, you know, whatever. I'll tell you one thing. I've gotten out of the liberal mindset set for a while now. Um, it's funny because although I'm not a big fan of Trump, never been a fan of conservatives or Republicans, um, the Democrats and a lot of the, the liberal jargon, a little a lot of the liberal bullshit has been has been a lot has been exposed a lot more to me in this day and age than any other time before. I've already known the Republicans are bullshit, but Starting to feel, I'm starting to see where conservatives, I mean, sorry, uh, liberals and that side of the, and the left is full of shit as well. She's just going to be honest with you. When she said there was a lack of outside male investment, what do you think that means? Does anybody want to care to take a, take a guess or some type of male investment? What does all that mean? I'll tell you what it is. It's a lot of bullshit because, well, Let's look at it, you know, just from women's soccer. You know, the team that the the person that owns her team is a man. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if we're talking about the National Women's Soccer League, only one team is owned outright by women. So investment men need to invest in what they are the investor. They are the only investor in some cases. What do you mean? We need more male investment. Hmm. I don't. I don't get that. 
go to the WNBA, or was founded by a man, David Stern, former commissioner of the NBA. But men don't help. Men don't do anything. Nine out of ten nine out of ten teams in the WNBA are owned by men. For example, for the LA um, Sparks, that's 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 a male group, including Magic Johnson. Uh, we also got the Las Vegas Aces, owned by the team, owned by the same guy who owns my favorite football team, Mark Davis. He owns the Las Vegas Raiders. He owns the Las Vegas Aces. So this outside investment for men, Megan, it's right there. Um, like I said, the team that she plays on is owned by a man, the Seattle OC Reign, whatever the team is called. Um, I'm sorry, it's not just the responsibility of men, but they are being responsible for your the men were responsible for creating both leagues but it's not the responsibility of men we have already helped you we were already showing you guys our responsible responsibility i it's like my question is are you really down for your cause or are you just here just to create friction amongst amongst men and women megan because you men don't like you is that what it is so it's like, ah, well, I guess I should just sue the, sue the seeds of dysfunction between all men and women because, fuck it, the men establishment doesn't like me or my sport. It's not that we don't like it. Um, the, you want to know the, the, the real the irony about women's sports? We like your sports more than you do. 40% of anybody, 40% of women who, 40% of people who watch NBA are women, which leaves the other majority to be what? 60% to be men. Ain't that about a bitch? The only time that I could find anything that said that women were the majority of people, at least in the stands or watching the NBA, it went back to 2001. I had to go back to a 2001 webpage that said, yes, uh, women are making up 75% of NBA stands. Back in 2013, they were saying as much as uh, 60%, 66% uh, of the viewers of the uh, WNBA were black men. It's, it's been switched from black men to white men. But still, white, but still, men are the majority of people watching it. Ain't that about a bitch? How does that? How does that work? And then at the same time, you turn around and say we're not helping you. That's ungrateful. That's ungrateful. That's that's truly ungrateful. And I and I'm sorry. Um, in terms of you know a minimum wage and all that, uh, that needs to be equal to everybody. Again, if you have more education in the rest of them if you have a different skill than the rest of them by all means if you have multiple years of experience in a certain field by all means you get paid more but based on you being a woman or because you're a guy or you're a white guy that i'm i'm done with all that i'm done with it either way you shouldn't get paid more because you're a woman or because you're a white guy or because you're black what does your what does your resume say i'm i'm through with the bullshit guys okay um I, to flat out lie, to flat out lie to the people is is disingenuous. Okay, now there is some positive positives about both leagues that I do want to get into. For example, in terms of TV viewership, it's actually going up in the WNBA. Actually, uh, they uh they well in terms of viewership, they they got into about a, a, a million total viewer, viewers, and that's above MLB. That's above all the other women's sports. And I'll give you that. Um, now, the problem, you know, is just that, you know, of course, it's not consistent enough with 
in terms of the WNBA. Now, again, it's on the rise. It's all, you know, it's rising. Um, now, they also had, you know, some, you know, it's and it's hard to explain, you know, but for, for, for one, the WNBA cannot sustain itself as its own corporation. You know, the NBA pays for it to, you know, sustain itself, right? Again, men aren't involving themselves. Men aren't, they are. And what we're having here, these liberal female leaders or, you know, whatever you want to call them, I call them figureheads. They're not really leaders. They're just being placed there. They're getting, they're getting paid by the powers that be just to kind of spout off any little old thing, uh, you know, you know, just like, you know, with these right wing guys, they're just, these are just figureheads. They just pay these people to just say whatever they pay them and they create dysfunction amongst people. That's all that it is. Once you see past the bullshit, once you see past the lies, I mean, it's, it's, it's really quite, you know, frustrating because again, the NBA, uh, at one point in time, um, in the 2000s was spend up to $10 million per year just to keep the league afloat. That being the WNBA, $400 million over a period of time. 2018 and 2019 uh, were historic lows for attendance. Average, they were averaging 6,000 and uh, 6,700 people and 6,500 people respectively. Now, those are issues. Now, can you blame that? How do you blame that on anything else? How do you? I mean, and again, how do you sit there and you say, okay, nobody's coming to the games, nobody's watching us on TV? How do you go from that to saying we need more money? You getting paid more money does not ensure that. Actually, it, it, because again, it's like you're not in, you're not investing anything in terms of your money. This is all somebody else, you know, investing their money. Matter of fact, again, like I said in the WNBA, there's only one team that's ran full by women, fully by women. That's the Seattle Storm. That's run by Lisa Bermel, Yuri Gilder, and Don Trudeau. Again, that's one team in the WNBA that's ran entirely by women outside of ten. Again, if you guys are so strong, again, we came from, again, I, I don't, I almost am shocked is that I'm going to say this sometimes, that I keep saying it, finding myself saying it. I feel like despite, you know, what was going on in the, in back in those days, back, back in the day, I think they were almost more progressive. I mean, think about it. Women were so strong when we're fighting. Now they just want to be taken care of by men, investors. What happened to your strength? What happened to y'all being strong? It was back in the day, it was I'm strong, I'm woman. Now it's like, give me more money just for me to play basketball and for me to do what everybody else is doing. Uh, LeBron gets paid a million dollars, millions of dollars to play basketball. I should get paid millions of dollars too. It's not that simple. Do people play millions of dollars over courses of seasons and years to buy your jersey? No. I'm sorry. Now, if you if you if you if you start creating those superstar athletes, or in your in your media and in within your you know press packages, you start creating those those storylines and have people coming to your games more, and you start selling out more games, then we can talk. Again, but very few teams in women's soccer are profitable. Portland's a very popular team, so they profitable. They turn they turn you know a profit. They getting about twenty. I think they, they draw about 20,000 fans per game. Big stadium. They're selling out almost all the time. No other team is really, not a lot of teams are doing that in women's soccer. You know? Um, 
Like, for example, the, the New York, New Jersey Gotham team failed to even reach 30% capacity. Orlando can't even reach 21% capacity. Those teams suck. Those Nobody wants to watch those teams. That's just the way that it is. If those teams were better, maybe teams would come. Maybe people would watch them. They have pretty. Orlando is probably one of the biggest stadiums in women's soccer. If they probably were, you know, if they probably would become a better team, they probably would turn a profit. It's just the way that it is. Not a lot of interest there, and not a lot of not a lot of women's interest. You know who needs to make women's soccer pop to the world? You know who needs to make the WNBA pop to the world? Women. Men already men already own the teams. What are you complaining about? Men need to invest what? They own the team. They own the league. Practically. What are you talking about? Men are the biggest. The NBA players are the biggest supporters of the NBA outside of the NBA. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm just keeping it real. Your big sponsors are companies that are owned by men. The sponsors that are on their jerseys are companies that are ran the majority by men. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Stop lying to make your point. Liberals, you don't need to lie. I'm done with y'all lying to us. Stop lying to the people. It's like conservatives. Y'all not know better. You're the same. You're lying to people. Just on a different spectrum. You're lying. Stop lying. Quit lying to us. Okay? Women only make up 37%. Of the viewing audience, 37 to 40 percent of the viewing audience for the NBA. Stop lying. That's your problem right there. Women need to be watching it. Shit. Instead of having J-Lo at the Super Bowl, you need to have her at the All-Star game for the motherfucking WNBA. Instead of having Beyonce at the Super Bowl and at the NBA All-Star game, you need to have her at the ML, the women's soccer All-Star game or their championship game. Instead of having Cardi B bumping coochies with Meg Thee Stallion and them at the Grammys, have them bump coochies at a WNBA game. They would go crazy. Have them rock your jerseys. It's that simple. Stop complaining about everything. Stop begging for somebody to come in there and help you when you can take care of your own situation. Sorry, women. If women wants, if women want to get paid more, generate more income for yourself. Stop begging for somebody to give it to you. That's the problem. We want to we want to talk about how independent we are, how smart everybody. You're not that much smarter than nobody if you still want people to give you something. In a discussion, I'm gonna take a quick break. We'll be back. All right, y'all. Let's get back into it. Uh, let's get into some scores from around the league from today and of course tonight. We're gonna start off in the Eastern Conference with the Hawks. They get it done by four against the Hornets. 105 to 101 is the final score for the Hawks. They moved to 29 and 25 on the year, and the Hornets they moved to tw- they moved down to 27 and 25. Uh, for the Hawks, they were led by uh, guard Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich. Man, these names, these Eastern European names, I swear to God, they be kicking my ass. 32 points, two assists, two rebounds from him. Clint Capella would get 20 points, three assists, and also 15 rebounds. Uh, Brandon Goodwin at the point guard spot would get 17 points, eight rebounds, sorry, eight assists, and five rebounds. For the Hornets, they were led by Ford Miles Bridges. He would get 23 points, two assists, and seven rebounds. Terry Rozier would put up 18 points, four assists, and also six rebounds. And guard Devontae Graham would get 16 points, seven assists, 
and two rebounds. Moving on, we get the Celtics here getting a W against the, the Denver Nuggets. 105 to 87 is the final score. The Celtics are now 28 and 26 on the year. For the Denver Nuggets, they are now 34 and 19. For the Celtics, they were led by Jason Tatum, 28 points, two assists, and 10 rebounds. Jalen Brown would have 20 points, also three assists and eight rebounds. And Marcus Smart and Kimber Walker would both have 14 points each. Five assists and four rebounds from Smart. Uh, Kimber Walker would also have six assists and five rebounds. For the Nuggets, they were led by uh, Michael Porter Jr., 22 points from him, 11 rebounds, uh, 17 points from Nikola Jokic, also 11 assists and 10 rebounds. And guard Facundo Campazzo would get 14 points, four assists, and also three rebounds coming off the bench. Moving on, we get the Pelicans getting it done against the Cavaliers, 116-106. to 106. The Bucks get it done against the Magic, 124-87. to 87. The Spurs, they get it done by two against the Mavericks, 119-117. to 117. The Spurs are 25-26. The Mavericks are now 29-23. For the Spurs, they were, they were led by DeMar DeRozan. He'd have 33 points tonight, eight assists, and also five rebounds. DeJounte Murray would have 25 points. Five assists and also five rebounds for the Mavericks. They were led by Kristaps Porzingis, 31 points from him, three uh, three assists and also 15 rebounds. Luka Doncic would have three, uh, sorry 29 points, seven assists and also three rebounds. Josh Richardson would also help out with double digits, 16 points from him, three assists and also five rebounds. Let's move on. We got the Bulls. Uh, they actually take an L here to the Timberwolves, 117 to 121. We got the Raptors here getting it done against the sorry the Knicks getting it done against the Raptors 102 to 96 and the Pacers they get it done against the Grizzlies 132 to 125 uh, and finally the Heat they get they get the job done unfortunately this time against my Blazers 107 to 98 is the final score here the Heat are now 28 and 25 so far this year the Blazers they are now 31 and 22 for the Heat. Of course, they were led by Bam Adebayo, 22 points from him, two assists, and also three rebounds. Jimmy Butler would have two assists as well as five assists and four rebounds. And Kendrick Nunn would have 15 points, four assists, and also three rebounds. For the Blazers, the story of the night, Dame, uh, he you know didn't really help out too much tonight. Just 12 points from him, three assists. Got to look into what's going on there. Could have been an injury. I don't think I saw anything related to that. Just probably just an off night from him. Can't have too many of those. Uh, that is definitely my MVP candidate at this point of the year, just for what he's been doing. Did not really show up tonight. Not a good sign. Uh, CJ and Norman Powell uh, both put up 17 points each. Um, CJ would have four assists and six rebounds. Powell would have two assists and four rebounds. Um, speaking of which, Norman Powell was recently traded uh, to our team uh, from the, the Toronto Raptors for Gary Trent Jr., I'm not 100% all with that trade. I didn't really like it. I like Gary Trent Jr. He has a lot of upside. He's still young. Uh, Norman Powell, I pretty much feel like you're going to, you know what you're going to get from him. He's been in Toronto for a while. Well, he was in Toronto for a while. So, I don't know. Um, I didn't really like that pickup. But, again, I mean, he did help out tonight. And uh, we definitely need people who can, who can score. 
Uh, but let's move on. We do have a couple uh, bits of news that I did want to get uh, get through real quick. Not a whole lot here, but uh, one coming out of Golden State, James Wiseman may be out for uh, the rest of the season. The second pick in this year's, or actually last year's draft, uh, suffered a torn right meniscus uh, during Saturday's win over Houston. Uh, this was after he was going up for a dunk. He just kind of landed awkwardly. Like I said, torn right meniscus. Uh, I've suffered one of those. They're very hard to come back from, um, at least right away. Um, so he may he may miss the rest of the year. Um, he's had some very solid starts so far this year, uh, but so far he's been averaging 11.5 points, also 5.8 rebounds. So a good start to the year, unfortunately, for the Warriors. Uh, they may be without his services for the long haul. And it looks like Kyrie, of course, will be missing another game. He will be missing tomorrow's game versus the Timberwolves uh, for, again, personal reasons. He's played in just 38 games, of 38 of 53 games so far this year. Uh, he has missed time due to injury. He's also missed two weeks due to personal reasons, and also that has been a re as recent as late March. Uh, uh, power forward LaMarcus Aldridge will also miss tomorrow's game uh, with an illness not COVID-related. Um... And again, I just keep asking people, you know, y'all big, but particularly Nets fans, um, do you think that Kyrie is all in it? Do you think his mind is all there? I don't know. I'd like to see, um, again, uh, family things come up. Yeah, um, I get it. They do happen. Um, but that that often, and, you know, you're going to be out missing how, how many weeks here? He was out two weeks for one situation. I don't know, dude. I mean, um you gotta love it. That I mean, again, he definitely is one of the best best basketball players in the world. Cause only they can get away with that type of stuff at their job. Just just gonna be honest with you. Let's move on to the standings. We're gonna start off in the Eastern Conference, and it looks like we have a tie here. The Sixers in the next, of course, tie for the top spot. Thirty six and seventeen are both for their records. Uh, they both teams are pretty solid in their last ten. The Sixers are the Sixers have been six and four. The Nets have been seven and three. Um, for what it's worth, three superstars, they're still, for the, for the Nets, and they're still tied, uh, they're just still tied with the Sixers, they haven't been able to over, overmatch the Pacers just yet in terms of these standings, so we'll have to see what happens comes playoff time. At the number three spot, we have the Bucks here at 33 and 20, three games back for them, they've been four and six in their last ten, so not as consistent, right behind them, actually a few games behind them, but seven games uh, seven and a half games back overall, we have the Hawks here at 29 and 25. At the fifth seed, we have the Heat here at 28 and 25. The Hornets are 27 and 25 at the sixth, uh, the sixth place spot at seven. We have the Celtics riding a three-game winning streak at 28 and 27. Sorry, 28 and 26. And finally, at the eighth, at the eighth slot, we have the Knicks here at 509 and a half games back, 27 and 27. Let's move out to the Western Conference. We have the Jazz here at 40 and 13. They've been eight and two in the last uh, the last uh, 10 games, so they're relatively hot, relatively consistent. Uh, at the number two spot, we have the uh, the Suns here at 37 and 15, two and a half games back. Eight and two in the last ten. At the third seed, uh, we have the Clippers here at 37 and 18, four games back. Uh, they're riding a hot, uh, the hot, a hot streak here. Five straight wins, uh, pretty much the longest streak in the NBA so far. Um, at number four, we have the Nuggets here at 34 and 19. At the Lakers, uh, sorry, at the number five spot, we have the Lakers, 33 and 20. Of course, LeBron has been out. AD has been out. Seven games back for them. They've been five and five in their last ten. They've been, you know, they've been so-so. So that's been good enough for them. They've been missing out on their two stars. So 
Uh, excuse me, but they're still in the mix, so I'm gonna give them that. The Blazers are here at 31 and 22. The Mavericks are at the seventh place spot, 29 and 23. And at the eighth spot, we have the Grizzlies here at 25 and 26. They're 14 games back. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking some baseball. Of course, we have some big news referring to uh, what the league has decided to do with the All Star Game. Of course. Uh, we're going to get through that. And, of course, we have the scores from today. So we're going to get through that and also the standings as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. year uh of course nba took a stand against well took a stand for i guess i think a liberal cause and you know wanted to you know say that they were down for black lives matter the mlb has taken upon themselves to be our our knight this year our, our, our white knight to help out the black folk and to be aware of our causes that have been going on for so long now they're just now getting it right they're just now understanding well anyways uh the mlb wants to join up the cause this year and they are deciding to move the all-star game uh from atlanta uh to now uh, denver colorado um now before i get into how i feel about this i wanted to touch up on a couple things that uh, i've come across since then i want to talk a little bit about what laws will be entertaining uh, oh sorry I guess, what would the laws be pertaining to? That's the word I wanted to say here. And, um, and of course, amongst Georgia conservatives, uh, including the, the Republican governor, uh, I believe his name would be Brian Kemp, uh, they are talking about, you know, protecting the institution of, you know, voting. They, they want to protect that, of course. Liberals and the Democrats are going to say, uh, Stacey Abrams, of course, included, I'm going to say that this is somehow, and Joe Biden, he's mentioned this as well, it's somehow stifling, you know, voting, was voter suppression, okay, lack of a better word. Um, now, as far as what is in the law, they want to change uh, the, the timing of, uh, you know, when they would set their, cast their ballots for the primary. For example, uh, in primary elections, they want to, uh, start their absentee voting uh, before 25 days before the primary things like that 22 days before you know a local primary um, it's more so about the timing of certain events of course one of the things that I did see uh, was special ballots for nonpartisan um, you know measures something like that also um, having an ID um, you know wherever you go um my issue um and again you know maybe california is different but are, when are we not giving 
when are we giving voting information to people that don't have IDs or IDs that we can't, you know, you know, verify? Um, every place that I've ever gone to to vote in California has required me to have an ID. I don't know why Georgia as a state is behind um, on that, and I don't know why it took a Repub their Republican buddy losing for them to be. See, because again, I, I on the surface, I will say this: there's not a lot that I can say that that's voter suppression. Okay. I, again, I'm not going to say that I see voter suppression right away. Maybe there's some underlining stuff that I'm missing. Of course, that's just, you know, available right away, you know, on my surface level, kind of looking to what's going on. Pretty sure if I go deeper, I'll find some things that I will, you know, that I might have some problems with. Uh, but providing an ID, um, that type of stuff, I don't see where that is voter suppression. What I will say is... I think it's kind of bullshit how you guys don't hadn't required none of that stuff until it inconvenienced you. How it's now not an issue when Republicans were be, were were taking over Georgia and winning every election. Nobody cared about IDs then. Nobody cared about fuck about IDs or or when the primaries were gonna happen or when we were gonna allow people to vote. And we didn't we y'all didn't care about none of that shit when you had Democratic. I mean, sorry, when you were getting Republican governors and and you know. Uh, congressmen and senators, y'all lose two runoff races and you lose a Democratic, you know, election, you, you know, a part of, you know, well, part of the, you know, uh, presidential election. Um, you know, you fucked up a Republican candidate there. Now it's an issue. I'm sorry. And again, in, in all these different states, um, you're seeing these, and, and this is the problem that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call out the conservatives on. Um, because again, Republican, Democrat, I know they're full of shit. We can we can go back and forth on who's better. I'm not going to anymore with you guys. Um, but again, you're seeing these different changes happening in states where, you know, where they would normally vote Republican, and then I know where it changed into Democrat. That's where you're seeing it at. I, so again, I I again I know that they just like you know the Republicans and Democrats, they're both drumming up fear. That's the whole thing. Uh, Democrats want you to be weary of, you know, racists and weary of a racist uh, institutions. Republicans want you to be worried about uh, liberal institutions. They want you, it's this fear. They are fear mongering you. They want you to believe that the election was rigged because their candidate did not win. Okay, just like when the Republicans, just like when the Republicans won, Democrats did the same shit. We said Russia hacked you. Okay, so what do you want to say? If if you want to claim that there was some type of cheating this election, then there has to be some cheating in the election before. Nobody wants to really admit it. Nobody wants to go there, so let's drop it. You guys lost fair and square. Your butt hurt. I get it. There was no there was no conspiracy though. There was no conspiracy. It just that's the way that the votes came out to be. You did them two or three times. You tried to sue motherfuckers. That didn't work. That's why they want to change the laws. That's all. That's all. They just want to make sure a Republican wins next time. Don't fall for the joke. It's not about ensuring anybody has rights. It's not about protecting the, the institution of anything. It's about making sure their party gets the vote the very next election. That's all it is. Read past the bullshit. And, uh, of course, um, Candace Owens, Miss I Speak for Black People, even though I don't really like black people, had a little two cents to say. She went on to say, oh, oh, just like the Democrats to move this, move the, move, move the, move something to, you know, or MLB. They're, they're claiming they're helping black people moving, uh, 
moving something from a black city to a white city. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this right now. Atlanta is a black city. Yes. Yeah. There's a black mayor, black businesses. Yeah. Atlanta Braves aren't owned by black people. Baseball is not a black sport. I don't see baseball patrons filling up black business centers. I see them going to where the white people are at. Sorry. I don't think it was going to do have any real effect on Atlanta. Uh, on Atlanta, the white people side, yeah. But for black folk, white people, you know, come on. They ain't no, ain't no black MLB fans like that. It ain't really doing it that bad. Don't worry. I mean, again, that's MLB's move. They want to inject themselves. But as far as them really, that really having an effect on black people, don't buy into that. that again, that's fear-mongering. Again, MLB fans are not patroning black businesses like that they're not let's just keep it real let's just be honest they would have been on their side of town would it where they were going to be where the the brave stadium is going to was was going to be at let's stop acting like they was going to intermingle candace stop trying to suck up and stop acting like you no stop it stop they would have stayed on the white side of town they would have went to the white parts the white neighborhoods that's what they was going to do Anyway, stop acting like they was going to be in Atlanta mixing up with us and you stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, I'd love to open the door. Of course, we know you're going to kiss up to them and want to open the door for them, Candace. We know you are, but that's not what was going to happen. So let that shit go, black conservatives. You knew that wasn't going to happen. Oh, it's acting like somebody going to kiss somebody ass. Stop. Talking about the liberals, they did this, they did, they don't really got our back. They sent it to a white city like, like a, 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 a Denver. There's black people that live in Denver too. Not as many as as Atlanta, of course. Yeah, okay. But as far as as far as you know, corporations, MLB wasn't all into that. They don't ever they MLB ain't really been all black. It ain't for black folk. It ain't. They never. They stop pushing. And trust me, they don't really be pushing no initiatives in the black community. There's no. Come on, what baseball camps there that they, that they got in the hood? That's MLB. It's football and basketball. Shut up, Candace. Take your ass on somewhere. All right, y'all. We're gonna take another quick break. We're gonna talk about some scores in just a little bit. We're gonna go over all the scores from this weekend, at least from today, and then we're gonna go over standings as well. So uh, we're gonna get right into that. <laughs> So let's take a look at the scores from the, today and this evening. Uh, it's going to start off. We're going to start off in the NL Central with the Pirates getting it done against the Cubs, seven to one. We got the Orioles taking an L here to the Red Sox, fourteen to nine. We got the Indians uh, getting the job done against the Tigers, five to two, holding on to the first place spot in the AL Central. We got the Yankees here getting the win against the Rays, eight to four. In that matchup, the Yankees were led by third baseman Gio Urshela. Uh, he was four of five at the plate with a two-run home run. Actually, a three-run home run. Uh, sorry, take that back. Two-run home run. He had three RBIs total. Uh, shortstop Leibar Torres would hit an RBI. Uh, as far as pitching is concerned, Jordan Montgomery would get the start. Uh, he would go five. Well, he would go, I believe, four innings. 
uh, five hits, actually five innings, five hits. Uh, he gave up four earned runs, and he would have four strikeouts. Actually, that's just in one inning. Let me take that back. Uh, the bullpen would go the rest of the way, of course. Uh, only gave up a hit the rest of the way, only and actually no earned runs. It would also have nine strikeouts uh, combined between the rest of the bullpen. Uh, but moving on for the Rays, uh, they were led by Randy Arozarena, uh, two-run home run from him. Also, catcher Mike Zunino would hit a two-run home run as well. Uh, moving on, we got the Royals getting it done against the Chicago White Sox, 4-3. to three. Uh, In this one, Kansas City was led by first baseman Carlos Santana. Uh, he would hit a home run. Also, left fielder Adam Benatendi, as well as second baseman Wick, sorry, Witt, um, Merritt, uh, I don't, oh, Merrifield, Merrifield would hit a, would hit RBIs as well. Uh, the, the winning pitcher today, or tonight, however one you look at it, uh, was, was Greg Holland. He would go for two, uh, two innings in the middle of the game, give up no hits, also zero earned run, two walks. The starter did not do so well, Mike Miner, four innings from him. Uh, he did give up four earned runs. He also would have three strikeouts. Uh, for the Chicago White Sox, of course, it was led by right fielder Adam Eden, two-run home run from him. Also, right fielder Lurie Garcia would get an RBI as well. Uh, Mariners get it done against the Twins, 8-6. to six. They're in a surprising spot right now. I'll talk about them in a little bit. The Brewers get it done against the Cardinals, 9-3. to three. For the Brewers, they were led by uh, right fielder Avisel Garcia, also, Travis Shaw and Manny Pena uh, would also would, would all hit home runs. Avisel Garcia, of course, would get an RBI from him. Shaw would bring in three runs himself. Uh, as far as Pena, he would also bring in two RBIs and also have three hits in total. Uh, pitcher, Brand, uh, sorry, pitcher Brett Anderson would get the win. Uh, he would go for five innings. He would give up five hits, just one on run. He would have two, uh, two walks. Uh, for the Cubs, they were led by left fielder. Austin Dean, he would have a two RBI double. Pitcher Johan, sorry, Johan Oviedo would also get an RBI as well. But pitcher Daniel Ponce de Leon just had a terrible start at the mound. Uh, he would just last for one inning. He would give up six hits. He would also give up seven earned runs. He would also have four walks, and he would give up two homers as well. Uh, moving on, we get the Padres. They get it done against the Rangers. Two zip. I all right, Manny Machado and uh, center fielder Trent Grisham will both hit home runs. Uh, pitcher Craig Stammen uh, was awarded the win. He would go for three innings. He would give up one hit, zero earned once. He would have uh, three Ks as well. For the Rangers, they would give up five. Well, they would have five hits uh, throughout the game, zero earned runs. Uh, pitcher Mike Fultonewitz, uh, Fultonewitz, excuse me, a great, great uh, appearance from him, seven innings. Uh, work two hits just given up he would have one earned run with three walks uh, but again the team was not able to pull through he would have three strikeouts as well uh, but for the Rangers they were zero and six with runners in scoring position so that was their big that was the big takeaway for me from the game uh, moving on we got the Giants here getting the best of the Rockies for zip for the Rockies they would have eight hits throughout the game zero runs 12 runners left on base uh, they were one for eight in, with runners in scoring position so again, uh, for the for the Rangers and the Rockies, they just could not get it done even 
with the opportunity to score. That was the big takeaway for the Giants. Uh, they were led by left fielder Alex Dickerson. He would hit a home run. So would Brandon Belt. Third baseman Evan Longoria would bring in two hits, also two RBIs as well. Uh, pitcher Anthony Descaflani would get the start today and the W. Six innings from him. He will give up six hits, but no earned runs. He would also have eight strikeouts as well. Moving on, we get the Nationals. They take an L to the Dodgers, 0-3. The Diamondbacks get the best of the Reds, 7-zip. And the Phillies get the best of the Braves, 7-6 on, on a controversial final call. You're going to have to look at it and, and you know, gauge, about, gauge how you feel about it. But let's move on to the standings uh, going into the week. Uh, in ending this week, we're going to start off in the American League in the East Division with the Red Sox here on top, 6-3. to three. Uh, That's their current record. The Orioles are right behind them, actually two games behind them at 4-5. and five. So are the Rays and the Blue Jays and the Yankees all at 4-5. and five. That's what it's looking like in the AL East. Let's move on to the AL Central where the Indians are on top. Five and three is their current record. The Royals are right behind them, just a half game back, four and three. The Twins are a half game back as well at five and four. However, the White Sox are one and a half games back at four and five, and the Tigers here are two and a half games back, three and six. Uh, let's move on to the AL West with the Angels here. They are six and three as well as the Astros. Uh, so again, I had that wrong. I definitely had the Astros near the top, uh, the Angels not so much. I had them finishing near the bottom, but so far uh, they are both tied for first. The Mariners are even in the mix as well in the third place spot at five and four, just a half game back. The Rangers are three games back and three and six in my A's. I had them finishing near the top as well. I had them finishing at the top. Uh, but they are three and a half games back at three and seven. Let's move on to the National League in the East. Uh, we have the Phillies on top at six and three. Of course, they got the win, the controversial win against the Braves tonight. So that puts the Braves two games behind them at four and five. We have the Mets here at two and three. The Marlins are two and six, and the Nationals are one and five, three and a half games back. Uh, let's move on. Um, actually, they're more than three and a half games back. I think that would put them three and five. Three and a half games back. I think that's they're not one and five. They're three and five. Don't matter. They suck right now. Uh, in the Central Division, we got the Reds on top, six and three. The Brewers are a game behind them at five and four. So are the Cardinals, five and four as well. Round at the bottom here, we have the Cubs at four and five. I'm a little bit surprised about them. Definitely surprised about the Reds. Um, I have the Brewers and the Cardinals in the mix. So um, and usually they're always neck and neck between the Brewers and the Cardinals. They like one or two games um, right, you know, beside each other in the in the standings. So I'm not too surprised with that. We have the, uh, the Pirates here at the bottom, also something I'm not surprised about. Some things change, some things don't. The Pirates being at the bottom of the division, of the division not something that changes. Three and six is their current record, like I said, three games back. Let's go ahead to the West. Let's wrap this up for tonight. The Dodgers are eight and two. They are first. Uh, in the second place spot, just one game back, we have the Padres at seven and three. The Giants are six and three, so right behind them, two games back in total. We have the Diamond Bay, the Diamondbacks, excuse me, four and six. And then at the bottom, we have the Rockies here at three and seven, or about five games back. All right, y'all, I'm going to take one last break, and when we come back, we'll be breaking down one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, Martin, we're going to talk about why it's, it is the black sitcom. Not just the best, not just, it is just the black sitcom yeah i'll be right back y'all
going to wrap this up for tonight. Like I said, I wanted to break down uh, this, uh, break down one of my favorite shows, like I said, of all time, Martin. Um, and like I said before I went to break, um, I feel like this is the pinnacle. This is the black sitcom of all black sitcoms. And the reason why I say that is because, I mean, um, I saw, I feel like I have seen an evolution of the black television program I feel I feel like if you take it all the way back you go all the way back to 40s and 50s when they first kind of lit us on TV and before then maybe you had the step and fetch it type of character you had a you know very derogatory like a minstrel um, type of character and you had different type of black characters I would I would say in media for a while like but they weren't always put in a very prominent role um that did change over time you did you did see like movies like coming to uh sorry guess who's coming to dinner you see stuff like i'm you know some of you i'm pretty sure some of you have seen like night of the living dead we had a strong black protagonist in that movie so you had different uh things change as the years went on um and then you had the 70s when you actually had the sitcoms and you had the good times and you got a chance to see a black family unit uh, you also got to see a black couple um, with the Jeffersons, you know, moving on up to the east side and all this type of stuff. And um, again, you got a you got a chance to kind of see two different sides of black people. One black one group of black people came into some money. The other one, you know, really didn't have a whole lot of money. Then you saw like, you know, rerun and all those guys. What's happening? You know, same type of element, same type of situations. I think you really start to see a change in the black dynamic. Really, you start to see the first glimpses of a change with, um, well, I'll start off with the Bill Cosby show, the Cosby show. Um, you see a well-to-do black family. You see a family unit. They both, husband and, husband and wife, are helping to raise the children. Those are things that you, you saw in good times, but you did not see it, you know, from a different class, from a different you know, you know, I guess you would call that, you know, um, tax bracket, you know what I'm saying? You know, and white people in the world got to see that black people could be wealthy, that black people could have careers and, you know, positive careers. And, you know, again, and you see the black family, you know, even develop further. You get to the nineties, um, and just the black couple in general and black sitcoms in general, you had, uh, family matters, you know, a family unit again, father and mother both taking care of children. Uh, you also had uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you had another family unit there again, a positive black family. And then also, you see it taken to another level in terms of the black sitcom come the 90s as well. You see, um, well, you see, st you see sketch comedy from us, you see in living color, you see us pushing those different you know, boundaries, um, in our sitcoms, you see, you know, um, living single, which people can say what they want. I'm going to challenge you, um, and find a show that's better than that. And that includes friends. Uh, friends is pretty much what we will call in our, in our community, 
uh, the knockoff version of that. We knew what time of day it was. We knew what the better superior show was. We knew what a real storyline and the character growth was coming at. We already knew what series was having the real the real growths um, of character. Like I said, character development. We knew what series really had that going on for it. Let's keep it real here. Um, and I feel like Martin took it to a whole a whole another level. Um, and it because it gave you again, it gave you the side of a black couple where things, you know, of course, in, you know, good times, you got uh, Florida and James, they're already they've already been together. They've already had the kids. They, you know, they're going through what they're going to go through in Chicago. You go to um, let's look at the, the Cosby family, you know, again, Cliff and uh cliff and miss Hux, mrs huxtable they've already uh, claire already married they've been together and you know they've they've had their children same thing in fresh prince of bel-air the difference with you know with a show like martin is that you see the couple kind of of course they're living together uh but they're not necessarily married yet so they're going through the growing pains they're going through the growing pains of a budding relationship of a you know of you know and again you know it's different because we were taught, you know, generation before us, you get married and then you come together or you, you know, all this. But again, you see that the two, you know, well-to-do, well, you know, they're, they're becoming well-to-do black folk. You see them on that journey, you know, Martin, you know, he works, you know, for a TV station. He does his thing there. You see what Gina does in her advertising agency, both well-to-do, upwardly mobile black people. You see them on that grind. And um, this show also gives you different examples of what, you know, what happens in those relationships where you have two working adults. You see the plight that, you know, or the or the or the issues or insecurities that Martin has when he finds out that Gina may make more than him or she does. And again, that that's something that modern men have had to get accustomed to over the years. And it gives you a health. It gives you an idea of what that might be like. Again, you know, when you start to see it yourself and you go through it yourself you get a good idea but here you you i mean as a as a, as a young man i was able to see martin's reactions to that how he dealt with that um and i can understand to be honest with you uh gina and even and even her friend pam uh, to be honest with you are embodiments of black women that i would like to to be with they work they're uh, they understand that they're, they're they understand that they're intelligent. They understand they understand what their power is, and they don't have no problem with telling Martin off. They don't know how to, they don't have a problem with standing up for themselves. Gina is probably one of the strongest woman characters I've seen out there. She's she's more vocal than I've seen in any you know in any female to male dynamic, um, and she's so you know she was so vastly different than a lot of these um, you know. Um, TV wives or girlfriends, regardless of color, uh, one of the most ambitious, one of the most driven. You don't see that again. You see, uh, you see the stay-at-home moms. You saw that. Uh, you saw, you know, little glimpses of what Claire was in the Cosby Show. But there's so many layers that we saw with the modern woman and just where her head was at with Gina and with Pam and just their relations with black men. Um, you got a chance to see the ins and outs pretty much of the black man and woman per experience. And you don't get a chance to see that again. And, you know, for what it's worth, because there's not a lot of black sitcoms out there. 
Uh, if you look in, you know, outside of BET, of course, you got Blackish, which was, which is okay. Um, it's not one of my favorites, just to be honest with you. But something about Martin and just giving you those different, um, those different elements of the Black experience. Again, I mean, elements that we've been around, but we're seeing it, you know, in front of us, and we get a chance to, see, we get a chance to have it acknowledged. Um, again, you have characters like Tommy, who you don't know, you know, where they're getting their money from. You don't know about, you know, you know, and you learn, but you learn in the hood. You learn in your community not to check nobody's pockets. You learn that through somebody like a Tommy, through some, we, we know Tommy's, but we learn, through Tommy, we learn not to worry about what is in somebody else's pocket. We know not to worry about that. We know not to, ch you know, check for that. And, you know, again, you see that there's people like that. There's people like Cole who just struggle to maintain, you know, employment. We know brothers like that. I've been a brother like that. You know what I'm saying? So to to see it and um, to kind of see it out there, you to see it play out and, and to see that it's represented, I think that's a good thing. It was a good thing. And you don't, again, you don't see that again. Um, you don't, you don't really see those things again. Um, and another thing is, you know, just in terms of that relationship, Martin and, and Gina, you don't see something that connected. And of all the things that disappointed me, you know, as a child or just coming up was one of the biggest, one of my biggest disappointments was finding out that Martin and Gina was not a real relationship. That hurt me more than Santa Claus, finding out Santa Claus wasn't real. To find out, damn, they not, who is, why, you know, why her last name not Lawrence? And I'm like, wait, Tisha Campbell Martin, who's Dwayne Martin? So she's cheating on Martin with this. She's cheating on Martin with this dude named Dwayne. I, you know, again, that was my little kid mind taking it there. I thought Dwayne Martin was trying to, you know, mess around and steal her from <laughs> from Martin Lawrence. I didn't know no better, but <laughs> but again, that just goes to show you just how close that relationship, at least on you know the, the TV. Um, was and I thought they were together for the longest time and when I got older I was a little bit disappointed to kind of figure out or to kind of find out like they didn't really have the greatest relationship outside of the camera and stuff like that and that's probably the only thing that I look back on and say wow you know um, if I would have an issue with it just kind of where that you know relationship between Martin uh, Martin and Tisha kind of went off the rails i mean what was behind that maybe it was pressure you know that he was facing and so on and so forth maybe the, he did end up liking her at some point um i think that was some of the things that they come up as well but i i mean but you know from beginning to end um you know we are given the, the martin and gina you know experience we see them you know you know come together moving together and they develop their relationship until their marriage together and that's a, and that's a and it's almost like a good almost like a blueprint to look at you know say yeah martin and gina could do it they went and worked they both brought home a, a solid income they took care of each other they loved each other uh there was there, there might have been certain situations that came up but for the most part they truly loved each other and you don't see that a whole lot no more in black uh sitcoms or just in black popular media we need to see more black love and black, you know, and love in general, uh, to be honest with you uh, at this point. But if we're going to put two black people together, let's make sure that they love each other. They respect each other. We don't have to be at odds with each other. We don't have to go against each other. We don't have to be, there don't have to be no extra friction between each other. And again, that's just reflective of what, 
you know, society is. Society doesn't want to bring too many people together. So you're seeing a lot of dysfunction in society. You don't see, you know, too much of this on TV no more. You see a lot of dysfunction. You see, you hear a lot of music that creates dysfunction because it puts people at each other's throats. So um, things just, I mean, unfortunately, just one of those things you probably won't ever see, the type of show you probably won't ever see again. And Martin, if you haven't checked it out, it's definitely uh, one of the greatest shows uh, on on TV. I, I would say I would say check it out. Definitely, y'all. All right, y'all. I'm going to call it a wrap for tonight. Um, if you are looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on uh, my Instagram. You can follow me there, ljamal791, uh, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791. You can also hit me up on my email as well, E-L. Uh, J A sorry E L J Butler B E T O U R seven five at gmail dot com E L J Butler seven five at gmail dot com. You can also uh, follow me on my Facebook page as well. Never out of bounds. Also have a, uh, a YouTube channel as well. Uh, all my different reviews are on there. I got some sports stories on there. Please be sure to check it out. As far as my next YouTube project is concerned, I'll be going over my worst Republican cities, also my worst Republican states. So take a look out for that within the next uh, week or so. Uh, you will be seeing uh, at least one of those up and running uh, by that time. All right, y'all. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight all you guys later.